What's going on, everybody? This is episode 17 of Outside the Glass, and I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. We have a whole lot to talk about today. Obviously, the NHL trade deadline was just this past week. Uh, and with that, we have some emerging teams or some teams that are poised to make even more noise than they already were, and obviously some teams st- taking a step back uh, and trying to build some momentum, get some rebuilding going. Bruins are one of those teams that have solidified their position, um, and we're going to talk about if they are the best team in the East or or even the best team in the league after the moves that they made at the deadline. Uh, we're going to recap all kinds of trades from the deadline. And then we also have some Seattle expansion news to get to. We got a whole lot more on this episode of Outside the Glass. So thank you for tuning in. We're going to jump right into these topics and we're going to start with uh, kind of recapping the trade deadline. Going over, we're not going to touch on every trade that was made because uh, it was a particularly busy deadline day. Uh, and even the couple days leading up before that as well. But we're going to touch on some of the biggest trades, some of the trades that that I think are going to have the biggest impact in terms of what's going to happen come springtime. And one of those biggest moves involves the team atop the league standings right now. That's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They acquire Ryan McDonough, defenseman Ryan McDonough, and forward JT Miller from the Rangers. In exchange, they give up forward Vladislav Nemestikov, defenseman Libor Hajik, forward Brett Howden, and two first-rounders, one in 2018 and one in 2019, and that is a hefty, hefty price. But they get, obviously, a big return out of that, especially in terms of one of those big-name defensemen, the, the biggest-name defenseman out there. At the deadline, and Ryan McDonough, and a guy that can go out there and be a rock. Uh, we've seen him in this Metropolitan Division shut down the likes of Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby, so we know his capabilities and what he can do. JT Miller, as well, a younger forward that still has plenty of NHL experience, and he's a guy that can get you 20 goals, that can get you 45 points. Uh, somewhere in that area, so definitely a capable forward as well. He's quick and he, he fits into this Tampa Bay system. So I think those are two great pickups for them. But on the other hand, they do give up uh, a guy in Vladislav Nemestikov that was on that top line that fit in very well with Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov, which is on its face something that's easy to do, but those guys play at such a high skill level and such a two-man game that it can actually be tough to fit into that situation and and figure out your role and how to create opportunities for yourself, but at the same time make sure that those guys are able to play their game. So it's gonna be it, it shakes things up and it's it's important obviously for teams like Tampa Bay that are in the position that they are to go out and make a move and solidify that roster and fill in any needs that they they perceive that they have. But you're playing with fire when you give up a guy that is currently making an impact on your roster because even though you may uh, 
perceive that you had an upgrade, and I do think that JT Miller is actually a slight upgrade at forward from Nemestikov, but you still never know how that's going to affect your dynamic, uh, the chemistry that you have going. So it's always a risk when you give up a starter like that, especially a top six guy, even a top line guy like Nemestikov. But so far, Miller has fit in well. He has contributed offensively, uh, notched a couple of assists the other night for Tampa Bay. So fitting in well there. Uh, And obviously McDonough, we know what he can do. So I like this trade for both parties. Uh, For New York especially, I do like it. They get two first-rounders and two solid prospects from Tampa Bay. And we all know that they're in full rebuild mode. So honestly, I look at this, again, talking about Nemestikov and Miller, uh, pretty much equal caliber. Again, I think Miller is a slightly better forward in terms of production, uh, he can also he can also he's he's got more size to him, so he's a little bit uh, more handy in terms of uh, the defensive side of the game as well. But I think they're fairly equal caliber, so you can look at this trade almost like those two prospects and two first rounders for McDonough, and that's a great return. Even though McDonough is a guy of his caliber of his stature, that's still a great return for New York. So. I think they do a good job, and and they have a bright future ahead of them in terms of starting this rebuild off on the right foot. Uh, Moving on to from the top team in the East to what seems like has been the top team in the West all season, the Vegas Golden Knights pick up Thomas Tatar from the Red Wings for a first-round pick in 2018, a second-round pick in 2019, and a third-rounder in 2021. So we talk about Vegas with that arsenal of picks that they built up at the expansion draft. And they deal three of those uh, fairly high round. I mean, a first, a second, and a third is nothing to play around with. And you get a guy like Thomas Tatar, who right now I see as a guy that ideally... His ceiling is about 25 goals and 45, 50 points. To me, Vegas is giving up too much for this guy. A rental player. A guy that I don't see. He's dynamic and he has skill, absolutely. But in terms of production, I don't see him as having that high of a ceiling to where you give up a first, second, third rounder. It's really difficult right now for Vegas. I get it. They're in a very tough spot in terms of they have to think about building for the future more so than any other team, I think. Because while they are doing incredibly well right now and they're they're having so much success, that... They don't have that franchise cornerstone. They, they still have to work on re-signing a lot of the guys that they currently have. So, it's an interesting situation because of how volatile it is. You never know. They could be the worst team in the league next year, no question. Even things are clicking for them. They have that underdog chip on their shoulder mentality right now. But who knows how it's going to play out in the future. And 
right now, to me, I think you have to look at it this season as, wow, we're doing so well. Let's just keep riding this wave and see how far we can make it with what we have. Because they, 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 there's no way they could have expected this. They wouldn't have expected this to come in three seasons, what they're doing right now, in five seasons even. So, I feel like they should have just said, you know what, we're, we're going to ride this as long as we can. And even with what we have right now, we're in a great spot to go out and, and make a Stanley Cup final and win a Stanley Cup. And I think they got a little bit too jumpy, a little bit too pressured uh, because of the success they were having to win now. When I truly think that they could have built something really special in Vegas. They still can. They still have a lot of picks. But I just think it's risky to go out unless you're making a huge move. Thomas Tatar, I'm sorry. He's not the guy to go out and and pay this price for. So I just think it's not the best trade for Vegas right now. And to me... Even though they're doing incredible things right now, their focus should still be on the future. Because with what they're doing right now, if they had stashed all those picks and continued to to build up that system, they could have been the best team in the West for the next 10 years. But right now, you're, you're, you're giving all that up for one season. And again, they're not giving it all up, but they're giving a lot. I mean, a first, second, third rounder um, is nothing to laugh at. So, it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do uh, with the addition of Tatar, but I'm not sure that it's going to make that much of a difference. San Jose, on the other hand, gets Evander Kane from the Buffalo Sabres for a first-round pick in 2019 and a fourth-round pick as well in 2019. They also get forward Dan O'Regan, who in 22 career games in the NHL has a goal and four assists, and he's 24 years old, so not necessarily a difference maker right now by any means, but he's definitely got a future in the league, and he he can play with the big boys. But... You know, not necessarily an impact player at all. So this is this is a really I think this is a good deal from San Jose, uh, as opposed to the Vegas deal because you look at a guy like Tomas Tatar versus Evander Kane. I think Evander Kane by leaps and miles is the better forward, the better producer, uh, even has more skill than a guy like Tatar, which is his staple. Kane is just he's an impact player and he can he can reach close to 40 goals in the right environment. 28 goals last season with Buffalo. So, if you put him in the right scenario and then put a little bit of pep in his step because he's a competitor, he wants to win and he's never really been in the best situation uh to go out and have postseason success. So, I think we're going to see a rejuvenated Evander Kane with this uh San Jose Sharks team and uh, especially if he continues for 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 multiple seasons there, I think we're going to see him really start to explode. So, again, first a fourth and a okay prospect. I think that 
You look, you compare that to the Vegas deal uh, for a better player. I think they gave up less and they got a better player. Uh, and this makes San Jose a very competitive team in the West in terms of the the, the blue line unit that they already have in place. Uh, adding a scoring threat like Evander Kane is going to be huge for this team. They already have. They don't have the most explosive offense, but they got guys uh, like Tomas Hurdle, Jonas Donskoy, and obviously Joe Pavelski. You add a guy, I mean, Evander Kane is the real deal, folks. So you add a guy like Kane into that situation, and this offense immediately gets a boost. So I think it will be huge for them. Winnipeg picks up veteran Paul Stastny. From the St. Louis Blues for a first round pick and Eric Foley, 2018 first rounder. Winnipeg is so dangerous already. And with the addition of Stastny, that veteran guy who can put up big numbers, easily, you know, 33 years old or some somewhere in that ballpark and can easily still put up 50 points, 60 points even. So this is this is a huge addition for Winnipeg. And to me, they are the team to beat in the West. I know there's a team like Vegas, Nashville, so many other teams out West that that can be competitive. But Winnipeg right now with Patrick Laine, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, El- Nikolaj Ellers, uh, Paul Stastny. They got depth down the line. Matthew Perot. I mean, that blue line being held down by Dustin Bufflin. Connor Hellebuck in net? What? I mean, this team, uh, the more I convince myself, or the more I talk about them, I convince myself that this is the best team in the West and can compete with Tampa Bay for the title of of best team in the league. And I really like Winnipeg uh, to do some damage for the rest of the season. I think this is the exact pickup they needed because... They do have that veteran on the blue line with Bufflin, uh, holding things down there. And Blake Wheeler, yes, got some experience. A lot of these guys have experience, but Paul Stastny is really a guy that's going to provide a lot of knowledge and a lot of composure and just that veteran presence that I think that they really need, especially with the group of young guys that they do have, led by Patrick Laine. So... Uh, Winnipeg, I mean, watch out for these guys. I think that in a Western Conference final scenario with Winnipeg and Vegas, if that something like that does happen, we're going to see a convincing win from Winnipeg. I'm talking about possible sweep scenario, four-one uh, scenario. I really think this Winnipeg team is is extremely dangerous and. Nobody wants to see them uh, come springtime. They'll be very fun to watch. They put up more, it seems like more goals than any other team in the league right now. They're just lighting up the score sheet. And they have now the perfect mixture, I think, of, uh, of young skill and talent and veteran presence. And... They're, they're just fun to watch when you really get right down to it. I mean, they, they took a loss to the Predators the other night. Still put up five goals. 
game before that, they they put up six goals or five goals against the Stars. It just seems like every every night, night in, night out, they're, they're lighting up the score sheet. And to me, they are at the top of the mountain right now in the West. And going to the Eastern side of things, one of the biggest deals, one of the most anticipated deals, if not the most anticipated deal, was what was going to happen with Rick Nash, New York Ranger forward, and Boston Bruins end up scooping him up uh, they gave up a lot in terms of quantity uh, with Ryan, forward Ryan Spooner and Matt Bolesky. They gave up defenseman Ryan Lindgren, who's a second-round pick prospect. And they gave up a first-round pick in 2018 and a seventh-round pick in the same draft, this upcoming draft. So three skaters and two picks for Rick Nash. Spooner is a guy, you know, bottom six forward that can still contribute. Uh, in, in, you know, he's a solid forward and a guy that uh, can definitely contribute in the NHL for sure. Matt Bolesky, not as much. Um, again, another, kind of another bottom six forward. He can play in the league and he will play in the league, but. Severe drop off in production this season. He, he's re, he's hit the thirty point plateau, uh, and then this season not really getting it done at all. So, meh in terms of Bolesky, defenseman Ryan Lindgren, very promising defenseman, uh, defensive prospect. I think that's a good addition that he will end up contributing uh, to a good career in the league, and the Rangers could definitely use a guy like that. Uh, coming up in their farm system, and then they get a first-round pick and a seventh-round pick. So, they're going to have three first-round picks, I believe, in the 2018 draft. The Rangers are. They get another first-rounder for 2019 in the McDonough deal as well. So, they're sitting very pretty right now. And I think they maximized... Uh, their return out of these guys. But people were saying that Boston overpaid for Rick Nash, and I do not think that that's the case. Uh, you look at a guy like Spooner, he, he's a guy that can contribute, and that's definitely not nothing. Bolesky, you can afford to get rid of him, no problem. And then Lindgren, solid prospect, second rounder. But, again, with their blue line that they have, they're fine right now, and they're looking to win right now. And then the first and the seventh. Seventh is essentially negligible. Uh, it's a little addition, but sure. Bolesky, I think, essentially negligible. Spooner, Lindgren, and a first is what you're really looking at here in terms of the meat of this deal. And for Rick Nash, it is a lot, but I don't think it's overpaying by any means in terms of the true quality of a player that Rick Nash is. I think that that's... Uh, been hidden, especially this season, because he's had to shoulder that load for that team. But put him in a situation like that he has in Boston, you've already seen two goals in three games, uh, adding an assist, so point per game so far, 
Uh, he's made that incredible highlight reel defensive play, uh, stopping a goal on the goal line, reaching back to hit it off the post. That's something you didn't see him do in New York, but he's re-energized. He's rejuvenated. And, you know, he, he was loyal to New York. He didn't want to leave. But I think now he recognizes that this is truly the best scenario in the league for him to go out and win a Stanley Cup. And that has given him energy and there's a new pep in his step. There's a new boost in his skating speed. He has an eye for the goal like he's always had. And he looks five years younger right now. I truly think it's something that he can keep up for the remainder of the season. And this is going to be absolutely huge for the Boston Bruins in terms of this is exactly what they needed. They have a guy like Marshan uh, who has got a lot of skill and can, and can put the puck in the net. But... Looking throughout the rest of this roster, there's not a whole lot of pure offensive talents. Uh, you know, a guy like Patrice Bergeron is somebody that's really more of a two-way forward. Pasternak is 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 that guy, but not as established. Certainly, uh, not as much experience and not as much consistency out of Pasta as well. Uh, you get a nice offensive punch from the blue line from McAvoy, but in terms of a pure, established, consistent scoring forward, uh, outside of Marchand, they needed another one of those guys to rely on. Uh, Rick Nash is certainly that guy, can be that guy for Boston. I think this was the best trade at the deadline made by anybody, even though they gave up a lot. I think this is exactly what they needed, and they also... Unlike Tampa Bay, didn't have to give up a huge contributor to this team. So, the question is, are they the team to beat in the East? Have they leapfrogged Tampa Bay? Or have they? did they already leapfrog Tampa Bay in terms of recent performance? Boston's been uh, getting hot at the right time. Tampa Bay kind of leveling out right now. I think the answer is yes. I don't think that... I did not think that they were a better team before the deadline, even though they had they had won so many games in a row, that long point streak. And Tampa Bay was, was sort of falling off, not necessarily falling off, but more of hitting a plateau in terms of, of, of leveling off to kind of a two-win, one-loss, one-overtime loss, two-win, you know what I mean? Not necessarily gaining a whole lot of ground or separating themselves, and Boston was really on the come up. I still thought, well, Tampa Bay, uh, this happens to every great team at some point. Then they're just kind of going to regroup and become dominant again uh, towards the end of the season, going into the postseason. But with Boston, I think that you have a more a more stable and a more strong, steady, consistent blue line unit. They have one of the best defensive cores in the league. And then you add Rick Nash, which is exactly what you needed. I think they do have a better goaltender. Everybody's talking about Vasilevsky for Tampa Bay for Vesna, But my money is on Tuka Rask all day in terms of relying on a guy to get you where you need to go. I like Tuka Rask for that. I think he's an absolute rock in goal for this Boston team. And give the goaltender edge certainly to Boston, give the blue line edge certainly to Boston. And then forwards, I think that you're looking offensively, dynamically. You're looking at Tampa Bay for that edge for sure. But in terms of 
a really well-rounded forward unit when you look at what Boston has led by Patrice Bergeron. Marchand can play a two-way game even though he's incredibly dynamic on offense. Rick Nash is showing that he can get it done in that scenario as well. And then Pasternak, who who is going to contribute significantly to this team as well. Tampa Bay, I think, has a little more depth. But I think Boston has a little more versatility in terms of also not only being able to put up points, but being able to stop other teams. I'm, I do give the forward edge to Tampa Bay, certainly. I think they have the best group of forwards in the league. But Boston's not too far behind, especially with Rick Nash at the helm as well. So overall, I really like what this Boston team has built. I think they made the perfect move at the deadline. And I think they are, in fact, the team to beat in the East and I think that we're going to see a Winnipeg versus Boston Stanley Cup final. Write it down. First time I've made a Stanley Cup final prediction on the show. And I think it's going to be Winnipeg versus Boston playing for it all by the end of the season. And I can't quite pick a winner yet. So you're going to have to, to stay tuned, keep watching, uh, or keep listening uh, to episodes as we near the postseason for, for who I like to win it all. And... Completely shifting directions away from current teams, current competitors. The NHL, it's a very exciting time in the league, adding Vegas in their first season, and now looking to add a new team into the league. Yes, I'm talking about Seattle. Expansion is on the horizon, folks. I think it's inevitable now at this point. Uh, There was still that what if or something could go horribly wrong with Seattle and it might not pan out. I think right now we're pretty much past that point and it's inevitable that we're going to be seeing expansion in Seattle. The reason being is that Seattle held their season ticket drive yesterday, Thursday, started at Thursday morning. And get this, within 12 minutes, they sold 10,000 season tickets. That was their goal. They set out in total... They set out to get 10,000 sales, 10,000 season tickets, 10,000 deposits. They secured that in 12 minutes. In an hour, they had 25,000 season ticket deposits. And put that in perspective, pre-renovation, Key Arena seats 18,000 people. So you're looking at 25,000 season ticket deposits. That's 7,000 over capacity. And you obviously can't just sell out your entire arena capacity to all season ticket holders. You got to have room for for people to buy tickets game in and game out, uh var- you know, on varying on the game. So, I mean, they're they're over double the season tickets that they will need to to start a successful franchise. And to put that in perspective a little bit more, it took Vegas 18 months. That's a year and a half. To hit 16,000 season ticket deposits. That's 9,000 less than what Seattle did in one hour. That is astonishing. And yes, I know it's Vegas. It's in the desert. Who cares about hockey? But still. That is unbelievable. And I'm going to say this. uh, Knowing that it might be the last time that I ever say this again. I think that the NHL front office 
Gary Bettman made the right decision with putting their eggs in Seattle's basket rather than going with Houston, uh, who was competing, or another Toronto team, which was also in the mix. I just don't think that you would have seen the excitement, the passion. is truly a passionate fan base in Seattle, especially when the NBA... Uh, Move their NBA franchise moved to Oklahoma City. Uh, they have just been yearning, they've been begging for another winter sport team. And I'm so happy that this that the NHL is going to Seattle. Like, I'm ecstatic about it. Rich hockey history there. First U.S. team to win the Stanley Cup uh, when it was before, uh, before that trophy was uh, in the NHL. So it's incredible to see the response, and I think that with what we've seen with Vegas, what they've been able to do, and the, the environment that they've been able to create in T-Mobile Arena, I'm so excited for that to be replicated and definitely will be outperformed. I truly think that Seattle is going to have the most electric hockey environment for years to come once they begin this franchise, and it's just very exciting uh, to, to be a fan right now in the NHL. Truly, here on the East Coast, I'm in Virginia. Could almost couldn't even be farther away from Seattle. I still think it's just going to be one of the most exciting things to watch. It's always so fun to see a new franchise come into the fold. So, really looking forward to that. Congratulations to Seattle for such an impressive showing. Uh, you guys deserve to be very proud of yourselves for that kind of passion that you've shown for your team and for your city. Moving on. To final segment of the show, we got recaps and previews. Started off with the recaps from the other night. Talked a lot about Boston, uh, their Rick Nash acquisition, and they absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Penguins last night, putting up eight goals. Uh, final score of eight to four. And, and and the first period, after the first period, after twenty minutes of hockey, the score was five to three. Pittsburgh actually scored four goals. One of them was waved off. I believe for for kicking, uh, for kicking it into the net, but five to three. That's eight goals in one period. They were on track to score twenty four total goals uh, in the first handful of minutes in this game. It was three to one, Boston, and Boston had six shots, and Pittsburgh had two. So overall, they were scoring on fifty percent of the shots that that went on net. Not a not a night to remember for the goaltenders, that's for sure. But for the fans and f- and for the skaters, I'm sure it was a very fun one to participate in. That uh, Rick Nash again having his impact, having his presence felt there, getting on the score sheet. So that was a fun one out on the East Coast. Tampa Bay took down the Stars five to four in OT. JT Miller putting up a couple of assists. So. Both of these Atlantic Division teams that made big moves at the deadline looking good right now. It's going to be really fun to watch how this Atlantic Division plays out, especially in the playoffs. Carolina takes down Philadelphia Flyers 4-1, to snaps a 12-game point streak for the Flyers, and nobody is... To, I've been talking about this team all season as a dark horse. People are starting to recognize, finally, that this Philadelphia team is for real. And truly, they have leapfrogged the Washington Capitals to me as the best team in the Metro. 
The Capitals are so meh right now. They didn't do anything at the deadline to improve the blue line that they have, which has struggled all season. And they have guys, they have some good signs on on, on the forward unit. Alex Ovechkin will never stop producing goals. Backstrom starting to find his way even more. Uh, and you know that you can rely on him to produce late in the season. Andre Burakovsky has started to score points. Kuznetsov is is, is uh, catching fire as well. But with this blue line they have, with how bad Braden Holtby has been, never thought I would say that, but with how bad Braden Holtby has been over the past couple of months, uh, this team's got to get its act together on the defensive side of the puck if they want to if they want to be the team to beat in the Metro. Right now, I think that's the Philadelphia Flyers. But again, they fall 4-1 to one last night to Carolina. San Jose, coming off the addition of Evander Kane, which we talked about, takes down Chicago 7-2. to two. So another blowout there on the other side of the map. And uh, Evander Kane notches one assist. It's a good sign for San Jose. They can put up seven goals without him making that big of an impact. Uh, when this guy gets going, watch out because San Jose is going to be uh, a formidable force in the West. Uh, moving on to the last segment of the show today for you guys, we have previews. We have a good slate of games for you. Uh, Friday, today, March 2nd. Starting it off, we got Islanders hosting the Canadians. Give me the Isles in that one. Uh, in a high-scoring game, high-scoring affair. I think we're going to see the over in that one. Panthers hosting the Sabres. Give me the Thurs. Panthers are emerging out of that Atlantic division as well. And they're going to be looking to compete for a wild-card spot when I think a lot of people counted them out just a few weeks ago. Give me the Panthers in that one. Hurricanes hosting the Devils. Uh, I do like what the Hurricanes are doing coming off of that big win against the Flyers. But... Uh, the Devils playing pretty decent hockey right now as well. Hurricanes coming off that game last night. Uh, Panthers actually took the loss to the, to the Panthers last night as well. So a couple teams coming off back-to-backs. But I like the Devils on the road. Jets hosting the Red Wings. It's no question. You know who I'm picking. I'm taking the over as well in that one. So give me the Jets in the over. Avalanche in the Wild. Going to be a tightly contested matchup. I'm feeling the Wild on the road. Uh, and I'm feeling... I'd stay away from the over and under on that one. Don't really know what to tell you there. Flames host the Rangers. Rangers are uh, actually getting some production out of some of those guys, Ryan Spooner and JT Miller that they acquired. Playing half-decent hockey. Um, The Flames, you know, they got obviously that that, that top pairing of Monaghan and Goudreau that are going to produce for them. I like the over in that one. And I like the Rangers on the road and a little bit of an upset there. Canucks hosting the Predators. Give me the Preds on the road all day. Golden Knights hosting the Senators. Uh, I like the Golden Knights. Uh, I like Thomas Tatar to get on the score sheet there in Vegas uh, for the first time. And again, like Vegas to take down Ottawa in that one. Ducks host the Blue Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets kind of in shambles right now. Uh, not really producing. Not really producing a lot of goals on the offensive side. Uh, I'm going to take Anaheim at home in that one in a low-scoring affair. Give me the under in that one. That's going to wrap up the show today. A little bit of a shorter edition of Outside the Glass. Covered a lot of ground, though. Nice, tightly-packed episode for you. Uh, Hope you enjoyed. This has been Episode 17 of Outside the Glass, and I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. Have a great weekend, a great weekday, whenever you're listening. Peace.